Welcome, friends, to the Soul Talk podcast, a show where we explore and uncover the path to the heart, amplifying your conscience. Join me as we meet incredible souls who are in this journey and learn from their experience and different methods that will make you vibrate your heart. Let's get into it. This is Monica Ramirez, Warrior of Love, and we're in Soul Talk podcast. And today we have a very old friend that we met in our path and uh, a while back in around 2015 or 16 or something like that, right? Yep, 2016. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, and it's been, uh, we have grown in different ways and finally we connect and he have a very interesting he became founder of very, something very, very interesting. Let me present you with him and tell you a little bit who he is. Michael Schumann. Um, he is founder of the Karmatic Margin Co-Project, an interactive uh, dedicated and ending poverty and war by uh, leveraging time spent service in, uh, in others in order to change the mechanisms of the global economy. Exploring a spiritual and spiritual belief system have always been Michael's top priority. He facilitates conversations with good people all over the world on a variety of topics, including how to shift the financial system, establishing deep democracy with other generations, creating mutual beneficial relationships between mental and health consumers and clinicians, and how to bring collaborative innovations into corporate and military culture. Michael is a dedicated husband and father of uh, soon-to-be two sons. Son and a daughter, actually. I'm a daughter on the way. <laughs> oh, wow, that's good. That is always necessary. I can tell you that. After having three boys, my daughter was necessary. <laughs> it changed the whole dynamic. <laughs> Michael, thank you so much for being here. It is really, really my pleasure to, to finally uh, to have you in Soul Talk. Yeah, I have a bunch of questions after reading your bio. I have uh, when this where did this idea came from to start? Thank you, Monica, and uh, yeah, let me also say that it is an honor to be able to speak with you. Uh, this is the first time we've actually spoken face to face virtually, and um, been watching a few of the podcasts and really enjoying the conversations that you've been having and. Just the, the the realness of it, the authenticity that's uh, that's coming out. You are doing phenomenal work, and I want to show appreciation and gratitude for you. Um, so yeah, the idea of the karmic margin call project uh, has really been kind of a labor of love for the past twenty years in a lot of ways. Um, it's this idea that we really truly are, you know, all equal when we're in our authenticity, when we are uh, expressing our truths, when we are talking about what matters, caring about what matters, um, dedicate a life to learning, spiritual learning, um, you know, which the paradigm that I think we're going into really helps to cultivate learning over teaching. In your last conversation with Nicole, uh, it was said that the, uh, the age of the guru is dying. Um, so this place of being in an egocentric place where the goal is to try to get a lot of followers and try to amass amounts of money and try to dominate people's time, uh, is just not sustainable anymore. So the karmic margin call project, um, integrates, uh, something called time banking, uh, which has been in existence, which has been in existence for over a hundred years, but uh, it's been coming more and more into uh, the collective consciousness more within the last fifteen to twenty years. Um, that honors everybody's time equally. Uh, so, uh, you know, whatever hour you spend or whatever time you spend, whether it's in spiritual conversation, whether it's providing a, a necessary service to to survive. Or, or if it's just providing space, providing companionship, all of that time really does have the same value. So all time is, it's this psychological idea, this construct where we're just keeping track of how many, how many numbers go by. 
but those numbers are defined by, you know, the spiritual or the emotional experience we're having in that time. So the Karmic Margin Call Project um, really is an accounting system of time. And um, some of the ideas that I'm bringing into it is uh, how to change the financial system by, you know, by accurately recording our time and, uh, you know, putting a new value uh, to everybody because, um, you know, it's, it's an accounting system that helps everybody enjoy the same amount. Uh, there's a big pie and we all have in under sovereign law, we all have uh, an equal entitlement to, you know, whatever, uh, whatever resources that we need to live authentically. And, um, you know, there's this big fight that we've been in competition over, you know, culturally over hundreds of years, this idea of capitalism versus socialism. And, um, you know, that's, that's not sustainable anymore. Um, we can be socialistic with the earth's natural resources and we can be more capitalistic with our time, choosing how we spend our time as we become more of our, our authentic self. So the karmic margin call project is really just taking what we're already doing and adding more monetary value, more financial value to that rather than being in competition with other people over scarcity. And scarcity is just an illusion. Yes, I do agree that the capitalism it is it was not equal. It was not fair. It was a system that it was it should be actually eradicated because it's not helpful for the the majority of the population. Mm -hmm. And but every time that I think I'm losing Monica. Are not the communists and not the capitalists and uh, the real democracy. It can work if everybody we live in a an utopia, and mm -hmm. unfortunately, not everybody has the same interests. Uh, we live in an in a narcissist society, global uh, global wide, and that it makes it more complicated because no one, not everybody has the same intentions for the rest. Some people want more, not only have their needs uh, paid, they want more. So how how you're planning to to control this or, or to to make the conscience of the human being to change? That would be amazing. I totally agree with you, but how you're planning to, when they're not even educated, what is communism with socialism? <laughs> yeah. Just those basics, they, they don't have it. The majority. Yeah. Well, the first thing is um, control is an illusion. <laughs> there, there is no control. Um, and uh, my, my first, um, and I actually just had this conversation today with one of my, uh, with one of my partners and colleagues. Um, when you when you start thinking in terms of trying to control or trying to change people's minds, um, that's when it becomes an uphill battle, and it's and it's insurmountable. Um, my my belief is that it's already working towards in in natural law. Um, there's really no such thing as as good or bad. There's just a balance. And um, we live in a, a society where things are very much off balance now. It's not sustainable the way we're going. So um, when it comes to people who want more and, um, you know, they're, they're used to having more, they're used to control, um, there, there is something that happens that psychologists call uh, acquired sociopathy. So parts of the brain shut down in order to that feels empathy, that feels compassion. And what happens is, is there's a balance that goes on with that. Um, you know, some people call it karma. Um, you know, some people call it retribution. Um, and it's, it's the kind of thing where, where those are not the kind of people that um, are going to be attracted to a conversation like this right away. 
Um, you know, it, it takes, you know, it, it takes trauma sometimes. It takes something, you know, I, again, you and Nicole were talking about this last week. You know, it, it takes a traumatic experience to really find the blessing, to really find the empathy in that. So, um, so it's not the work to try to change people's minds or to try to, um, or, or, or to try to set a new course. Um, the universe knows what it's doing. This, you know, spirit from a spiritual perspective, you know, we, you know, we, we, we know the path. So there's more of a, a surrendering that goes on, more of an acceptance where I've been seeing a lot of, um, I've been seeing things more from an emotional perspective where if I'm not quite aligned with somebody or, or if somebody's trying to create a conflict, um, I tune into what the emotion is. You know, a lot of times it's fear. A lot of times it's guilt or shame. And um, there's an emotional spectrum that, uh, you know, that comes into play. For instance, fear. You know, fear is, you know, maybe a, a little bit lower than the halfway point. Progressive fear will lead to desire. Um, so eventually, if someone masters their fear, they'll be able to get focused on what it is that they really want. Regressive fear will lead back to, to grief, to overwhelm, hopelessness. Uh, so it's the kind of thing where uh, we're all spiritual beings. You know, we're all having, we're all spirit having a human experience. And by tuning into that emotion, you know, I, I understand where, where emotionally, you know, we need to be to be able to connect with somebody. If you're enlightened or if you're feeling love and appreciation, you're not going to connect to someone who's feeling fear uh, and a lot of greed and a lot of um, this, this, um, this instinct to control really is, is a byproduct of fear. Um, so, so it's the kind of thing where rather than try to love bomb them, <laughs> you know, it, it's very helpful to be in that space and, and feel the fear and know that it's not, it's not yours. You know, it's the experience of the hoarder. It's the experience of, you know, I'm, I mean, I'll, I'll say it, you know, I think, um, you know, with acquired sociopathy, sociopathy, you know, you know that the, that the elites are demonstrating right now, very fear-based. Um, and, uh, you know, I have some information and some idea about where that fear comes from. But, um, yeah, I mean, to try to control that pulls someone, pulls you into that energy. Um, so, so uh, yeah, to get back to your point, it's not a matter of changing or controlling or forcing anything. It's just about playing a new game, doing, it's doing something different. And uh, I look to connect to people like you, Monica. I look to connect to the people, you know, who I am interacting with, with my small groups, with deep democracy and with collaborative innovation. And that's how it happens is one conversation at a time. I, I mentioned something that it may irritate some, uh, some viewers, but well, uh, I can do that. <laughs> but uh, it is easier to guilt the government that is a business. But also the same thing is religion. It's a business. And ones that actually have put all this fear and programs for generations and generations and created the and manipulated and controlled the governments all around the world. And the only way that I can see that changing it is if the religion would not exist because the people will still have fear. That I work as a NLP with my client mm -hmm. precisely to removing all the programs that the religions have put on it. Mm -hmm. and, and there's a lot of resistance from that. And there's mm -hmm. people that still have that same fear. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's easy to guilt now the government. You're not going to guilt God because they, they see a religion as God when God doesn't have to do anything with a religion. God is totally mm -hmm. separate. Sources totally separate from it, but people tend to guilt only the politics. I don't agree with how the world is going, but that same fear comes from that—a fear of dying. Yeah. Yes. And who put the fear of dying because you're going to heaven or hell? Is the religion? 
Mm-hmm. So if we can eradicate, and at the same is it's very dangerous to eradicate completely the church or the any religion, because then we're going to have the sociopaths that they don't have any fear of going to hell, and they're going to just start killing everybody. Mm-hmm. How we can manage that in a society where I know the word narcissist is destroying everywhere. Yeah. But I been, believe me, studying a lot of the narcissism, and uh, and it started in the families, and we create yeah. narcissist uh, generations, and it started in the families, and uh, and that's where the world that we are now, the lack of empathy, the yes. lack of compassion, the lack of of uh, and knowing how to control and manipulate others through mm-hmm. fear. Mm-hmm. Yes, how we can fix that in the world that we have in now for at least to the collective mm. you know I would without having an Ubuntu without having an Ubuntu well I would say I would say the first thing that comes up for me hearing that Monica is um, you know religion uh, as we know of it uh, the, the Abrahamic religions are very patriarchal and I, I think the um, the restoration of the goddess is important um, I think to bring back balance the divine the divine feminine the divine masculine have to to come back into balance um, in the hero's journey in um, in in Campbellian mythology, there's this moment that happens in the climactic part of the story called atonement with the father at one minute, where, um, you know, where the father's corruption uh, needs to be confessed and atoned for. And um, I think that's where feminine and goddess energy, you know, has a big role to play in, in finding that balance. Um, there is, um, in my martial arts study, uh, there is a martial arts, it's a soft martial art called Aikido, where the, the point of it is not to attack, you know, it's not to fight back with force. It's merely to accept, you know, accept the force that the attacker is, is forcing upon you, blend with it, redirect it, and gently try to protect yourself and protect your attacker. Um, it's a centrifugal force. Um, so it's the kind of thing where patriarchal society is always in a hurry. It's always competing. It's always linear. It's always trying to get to the thing. It's, it's very, um, object oriented. Um, in my experience, divine feminine, um, you know, the yin energy is about blending and pulling into a centrifugal force, you know, to find, to find that balance. So, um, so when thinking about what is wrong with the world or how to fix the world, um, it's, it's really, it's, it's almost like it's sucking us into this game of competition, you know, that in order to make the world better, we have to win or we have to conquer or we have to beat patriarchy. Um, my, my belief, and you know, and this is a very, very subjective belief, is that we don't have to compete anymore. Um, you know, with compassion, with the space, you know, that is that is created through living in integrity. You know, through just being present. You know, there's nothing to fight for because we already, you know, if if we can focus on something that connects us back to spirit, if we focus on something that brings us back to our present, you know, that's the ultimate victory. And anything that tries to attack simply gets blended with, redirected, and gently gently pulled into circles until it tires itself out. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so to, uh, to, to talk about uh, what you are saying and addressing here in religion, it's, um, you know, patriarchal religions, patriarchal society is about competition, winning, getting to the top of the pyramid, you know, being number one. Um, but to me, the yin, the feminine is just about, we're already here. We've already arrived. And, um, it's just trying to figure out why, why does, does religion, 
you know, what is religion trying to accomplish that it can't already have, um, which is inner peace. And uh, so if there's that competition going on within the person, you know, if there is guilt, if there is fear, if there is anger, if there's all of that, what is the root cause of that? And I don't necessarily think that's going to be found in studying the roots of the religion. I think that's going to be found by studying the roots of somebody's childhood, the roots of somebody's needs. And, um, yeah, and that's, that's something we can, you know, we can make a difference with. I do agree with you on a certain point to bring in back the feminine. It has, but I, at the same time, I feel there has to be a balance. We have to make the union of polarities because or else we're not going to have a structure. Uh, that's the male side. That's the the masculine energy. This mm -hmm. it is. It is easier to say, "Oh yes, let's go to a, a matriarch uh, society like it used to be." Many many probably eons ago <laughs> that we can even remember when it was a matriarch society. Maybe in the Incas and the Mayas and some societies that. They don't even exist anymore. That we can't even remember how it was that. But for whatever reason they don't exist anymore neither. So it is it is important to to have that balance, that make that union of polarities in each person because we all have that energy. Yes, absolutely. But I love your idea. I of course we all are dreaming to go to the fifth dimension and to live in this utopia and our dreamland that we all dream. We all want the same thing. The problem is people wants to go with the fears, with their yeah. anger, with their own unhealed parts to that state. And that we can get to that conscience if we're carrying all that baggage. How we can make a, a global change in the... In, in healing the, the conscience of the humanity so we can achieve actually going to that fifth dimension that we all want it. Because Was that a question? I'm sorry? Mm -hmm. I can say that we can, I, I can say, yes, I can change my conscience, I can change all my whole being that I have grown many and I believe I can I'm continue growing. That I'm going to get there, yes, but what is going to happen with Mm, the rest of the people because that's one of the points why we're here to start as a star seeds as star light workers way showers whatever names you want to call us mm -hmm. that's why we're here to to help the rest of the humanity mm -hmm. so how we're gonna change that and, and this uh with this idea that you have because that will be ideal we have a you know we know how we can help the rest of the people to have conscience and have compassion for the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How are you planning to do that? Because you're incorporating what I read in your in your bio, even the military, mm -hmm. when for them it's also a business war, mm -hmm. and to stop fighting, it's like they're not so much interested in peace. Mm -hmm. How are you planning to do that and structure that in your foundation? Mm. Well, I can tell Monica there's no plan um, as far as um, as far as an organizational structure. The plan is to show up with authenticity and to be able to really allow the space for someone who is at war with themselves to really be able to find what it is they're really at war with. Because um, what comes up for me as you as you ask that question is that um, with war, with military, with um, you know, with conflict, you know, there's something lacking, um, you know, within the consciousness of the individual that allows them to be attracted, you know, to the violence, you know, you know, to 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 organizational to conventional violence, and. Um, You know, it happens, you know, one conversation happens, one interaction at a time. Someone who is obsessed or addicted with war would have to find the real courage 
to find out what it is that they're really at war with. And usually what that is, it's a broken relationship with, with a parent, you know, with a loved one. And that's what takes real courage. And that's the, that's the environment that, that we facilitate with, with this project, with our pattern integrity is that, um, when somebody is really truly ready to take ownership of, of their trajectory, of their path, you know, they can find out, you know, what is it that they're really at war with? Because there comes a, I think there comes a time when the cultural conditioning is just, you know, and this can happen for anybody at any time, regardless of the spiritual path they've been on. You know, at some point, you know, there's a catharsis. There is a, there is a, a moment where, where it is understood that um, to live authentically and to find more growth, more meaning, that it's going to take more than these organizational systems to find real fulfillment. And um, when somebody is ready to truly take ownership of their courage, not not this self-image actualization, but true self-spiritual actualization, you know, that is the space that we hold. That is the space that we hold for the individual who is ready to confront what they're really at war with. Maybe the solution in there, it will be into other point that you ha you you gave me in your bio. It is the mental health with the, uh, with the medical industry. Mm -hmm. That is a big problem. I see it more in the United States than in other countries. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the United States, you want to go to uh, therapy, they will not even treat you if you don't take medicine. Yes. And mm -hmm. they don't, don't want to do the work. And uh, I grew up in Mexico. And in Mexico, I used to go to a, a, a psychologist in Mexico, and they do the work without the medication. It was your option if you wanted the medication. It was not forced like in the United States. Mm -hmm. And uh, and there were more hats on, and I see it that that's becoming a big big problem for, and and more in the United States because coaches we don't get paid by insurance. Yes, and no, we don't. We don't have money to to support us. We have to still pay the light and the water and the, and our bills and feed our families, and uh, and it's a big problem. It would be great if your foundation, in the way, if find a way that the the medical industry or or they don't charge much, or they find ways to pay the coaches if they don't are not willing to get the hands dirty, like like the coaches, or something like that, because that is a mental problem. The the. Yes. The psychosis, the narcissism, the selfishness, etc., is a mental problem that we have in our society. Mm -hmm. Yes. And what, on, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What proposal do you have for that? Yeah, it's it, it's interesting. I just had a conversation with some of my partners about this, um, and what we're what we're wanting to do is bring in artistry, bring in spirituality into into a clinical session or into a clinical environment. One of the barriers to, to really healing mentally is this barrier that clinicians put up um, with, I hate to use the word consumers, um, the, the, the people in the mental health industry really, really um, resent that word consumer. So we've been using the word challenger. Um, but there's this barrier that goes up that comes with education, prestige, um, where on this hierarchy, there's this disconnect and everything's, everyone is in the, in the clinical field is stuck in their head that they stop feeling. And, um, you know, what we're, what we're organizing right now is conversations where we invite both clinicians and challengers to let go of their roles, positions, positions of authority, and speak to each other as human beings first. Um, a lot of times, especially with coaching and, and coaching as associated with business, um, we have it backwards because there's so much sales to it. There's so much salesmanship. 
Everything is about overcoming objections, creating dissension, and then making commitments right away before you really get to know someone. So with our pattern integrity that we're looking to set up between clinicians and challengers, we invite everybody into a space where we connect as people first. We have appreciation conversations. Then we discuss possibilities, you know, you know, what could we possibly do? Then we put forth invitations that resonate most with everyone. And then we have healthy dissension where, you know, we say, this doesn't feel right to me and this is why. And, uh, you know, within those conversations, you know, we come up with, with forward movement, with pathways where, um, clinicians can step down from their pedestal a little bit. And challengers can step up in self-empowerment a little bit because what it's really about is just facilitating the healing space for everybody. And um, that's a hard, that's a hard environment, a very difficult environment for clinicians to step into. And again, um, that's why I say it, it's going to take a lot of bravery. It takes a lot of courage, but at least now the space is becoming existent. We're creating spaces where those kind of interactions can start to happen. Um, and it doesn't happen overnight. Uh, it takes an investment in time. You know, that's why, that's why we have a time bank because you can, you can invest as much time as you need to be able to take those brave steps, to be able to make those brave spaces, you know, where people can see each other as they truly are in their authenticity, in their value. Because in a lot of time, in a lot of circumstances, and I found this more often than not, clinicians are really just consumers or challengers that are just highly functioning. <laughs> you know, you know, they can hide behind their education all they want, but at the end of the day, you know, that joy, that happiness, that true um, awareness of, of spirit, you know, they can't ignore that forever. And, and it shows up all the time with, with greed, with narcissism, with aggression. So, um, so yeah, so that's, uh, you know, those are some of the conversations that we're starting to facilitate now. And again, it doesn't happen overnight, but, but it's the kind of thing where it's a tiptoe, you know, we're tiptoeing into that. And I've seen, I've seen a lot of bravery. I've seen a lot of people being courageous, being vulnerable. Uh, I have a good friend who's a psychologist who's admitted that, you know, her doctorate is her armor. You know, and that she has to put on her armor and shut down her feelings before she goes into, you know, a session. That's incredibly vulnerable to admit to someone. Um, so it's a first step. It's a first step. I call them a lot of the doctors that they're a sales rep because they they would test. Their people are afraid of the vaccines right now because they're experimenting on us. Every time you go with a doctor, they're experimenting on you. They're testing different medications to see which one fits. And you take them. So what is the difference with millions of vaccines that are already being uh, put in people? And uh, they haven't died. <laughs> and, and you already see any commercial of any medication. And this will fix your heart, but it will mess up all these things then basically you're gonna die if you take it <laughs> so, yeah. what is the difference between vaccines and the medications that the doctor give you there might not be um i and i honestly i can't speak personally to that um i i honestly i don't think i've been on a medication in 30 years monica to tell you the truth um i do think I think there's a lot of commercial uh, commercialism involved with it. Um, that's my personal belief. Um, and I think we do need to have, and, and when I say we, I, I mean culturally, we do need to have more, more emotionally intelligent conversations about that because there's so many, there's so many variables that, um, that we, we, we disassociate from. Um, a friend of mine and I were having this conversation about how, um, people, are developing all of these other side effects now after having the vaccine. And I would be interested in seeing the data, um, you know, like, uh, you know, like I think I read that Pfizer's uh, drug sales went up 15%, 50% on these, on these drugs. I would be interested to see how many of those actual people took the, the Pfizer vaccine. Um, and now they have to take more Pfizer medication. You know, I'm, I think there would be correlations. I think there's a, a big need for transparency in being able to, you know, to understand big pharma and the medical, and the medical industry. But, um, I think, um, 
I think we need to I think we need to move into more brave spaces to have that kind of transparency. Um, so you know, so that you know, we can see, look, you know, this is this is where where the money is going. You know, this is the honest truth about how many people are having side effects and how many people are actually dying from that. Because, you know, depending on like Facebook's algorithms or Google's algorithms, you know, some people have access to access to different information and we're not we're not getting the full picture. And unfortunately, we're not being emotionally developed to be able to consider the multiple variables that have to do with this, with the vaccines, with the pandemic. And, um, you know, I, I just think it's time for us to grow up. <laughs> You know, to to mentally, emotionally, and spiritually grow up. And we can show all the science behind everything. And I'm not saying that the media will display they're transparent or they're truthful. But but either side, they're being ridiculous. Yeah. I I I put the vaccine, the Moderna. And people have asked me if I can put a magnet in my glass, uh, magnet in my gla in my arm, and it will stay there. Like that's ridiculous. <laughs> like I can, because somewhere in TikTok uh, was uh, they were post uh, they were putting that the uh, magnet will stay in your arm. I have demonstrated to friends that you see it falls down. Why? Because I don't have nothing in my arm. Mm -hmm. uh, I have just the first three like. Any vaccine when you're a baby, take your baby uh, to put any vaccine. Yes, their first reaction is going to be bad. And it's, the same applies for the Moderna. That's the only one I can talk because that's the one I, I put. Yeah. <clears throat> And why I put it? Because what you were saying at the beginning, fear. Mm -hmm. And not because I fear that I was going to be infected, uh, that I was going to die. Even if family of mine did die from Corona, yeah. I I did not have to this day. I do not have the fear, but the people around me were in fear. Mm -hmm. And I am true believer that whatever you fear, you're gonna attract. Mm -hmm. And in my family, were afraid that I was gonna infect them and I was gonna kill them because I was working with clients and doing going to buy food or whatever. They were fearing me. Then they were attract something that I didn't want to. They they fear me, so that's mm -hmm. why I put it on. Mm -hmm. Or they don't fear me because to this moment I I still do not fear uh, the, the corona, even if family of mine already died. Yeah, yeah. First of all, I'm sorry that you, you lost a family member. Monica. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I there is a lot of division in this, and I believe that the biggest fear that right now is consuming the human being it is the division that is creating the vaccine mm -hmm. and it started with the light workers or way showers or spiritual community it started there that division and that's what we knew that we were going to be divided but we didn't know how mm -hmm. And this is the division that where it's at. People judging each other like uh, they know better. No one knows better at this point. Correct. Yes. And doctors will say put it on, and doctors will say don't put it on. Like and same apply for nurses. Mm -hmm. No one has the answer. People are dying mm -hmm. for putting it or for not putting it. We don't know the truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, it comes back to what you believe and why you believe. Who do you believe and why do you believe them? My, um, my wife and I have, uh, had some tension over, over this. And, um, um, as I kind of present, you know, the bigger picture, there's, there's, You know, there's many levels to this. Um, you know, there there is the financial level to it. Um, you know, there's the social level to it. There's the technological. Um, you know, there, you know, there is the uh, the narrative going around that COVID is a bioweapon as well. Um, and in my conversations with with my wife, um, what it really comes down to is, you know, who do you believe? And why do you believe that? 
Okay. And the deeper we go down that question of why we believe something, that's where we start to really get clarity, I think, to, to get answers. To me, this the reason why there's division is because there's so many layers to it. Um, you know, people, you know, people see it, some people see it just from the scientific layer. Some people see it from the holistic spiritual uh, layer. Some people see it from the financial layer. Um, you know, but, uh, I think there's a need for layered learning now, you know, to understand that, um, that we all have a role to play. Um, right now we're divided because, you know, we're, we're, we're coming from a place of fear. But if we accept this idea that there are no throwaway people, that everybody is essential and they have an essential part of the puzzle, we can start to put those parts of the puzzle together. Um, and, and that starts with having emotional, real conversations based on experience, based on, you know, what have you experienced? What have you observed? How do you feel? You know, um, are you willing to look at a different, a different angle? Because there's, you know, there's subjective truth. Um, there, there is, um, we, we have these conversations where, um, we talk about what is observable, you know, that would be the science, the fact, you know, what is subjective truth? What is the story? What has been your emotional experience with this? And finally, you know, what is the emotion that you're feeling? Because um, emotions will distort, you know, will distort a lot as well, too. And I've been finding that when somebody can have a coherent conversation and really look at those three different areas of, of the same occurrence, you know, cohesion starts to emerge. Um, you know, people start to, people, when people can get in touch with their emotions and really own their emotions, they can take a step back and they can look at, well, where did that thought come from? Where did I get that thought? Who influenced me there? Do I even remember who influenced me there? And then we bring it back to, okay, well, what are we aware of? Where is our attention? But then and that kind of... Sorry, but that applies for the two sides. I have yeah. seen the two sides. I I have lost friends. I have lost clients. I've been kicked mm -hmm. out of schools because I put the, the vaccine. And, oh, they're controlling you. Then, like, what you want to do is control me? Mm -hmm. Like, this was my choice. It's mm -hmm. not because I saw it in CNN. I don't even watch the news since mm -hmm. years ago. And it's like, this was totally my decision. It was not influenced because I make sure that my inner guidance tell me if I should put it or I shouldn't. Mm -hmm. So I got to the conclusion that I'm going to put it because it was my choice. Right. It's not influenced by anyone. But if I follow someone that is instigating me fear that, oh, it's going to change your DNA, or you're not going to be able to channel, or you're not... Then you're trying to do exactly the same thing as yours. Exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's called opposames. Opposames. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's where it will learn when an advice. It is just an advice. You can keep it or throw it in the trash mm -hmm. without trying to instigate fear. You instigate fear in anything, in wars, in hunger, in education, in religion, or in anything, then you're manipulating and controlling, and you're in the same part of the problem. Right, right. And there's so much cognitive dissonance from that, too. We have, um, we, ha we observe what's called control dramas, um, where uh, if if the needs, especially when you're a child, are not being met, we learn these control dramas about how to manipulate people. Mm -hmm. um, the, the book, The Celestine Prophecy, really puts them into four categories, which I think are pretty accurate. You know, we either intimidate, uh, we interrogate, you know, with, you know, with our intellect, with questions. Um, we play victim, you know, we play the poor me card, and, uh, or we disconnect, we, we become aloof. You know, and these are all defense mechanisms that are all playing off with each other. Um, but each one of those do have, a, you know, do have a reversal. They do have um, a counter. You know, and most of, mostly it's just being authentic. It's just being present to, you know, your feelings and practicing empathy. You know, really practicing empathy. If someone, 
if someone is trying to, to control you, if someone is, um, you know, coming from that place where, you know, they have to be manipulated, whether they're doing it consciously or unconsciously, you know, it's based in a fear. And, you know, it's coming back to that, you know, what is the root of that fear? Um, and, you know, where did that fear originate? Uh, and then that comes back to, you know, who do you trust and why do you trust them? And, you know, is it based out of trauma or is it based out of healing? It is funny. Today I was talking with my teenager daughter about uh, that we have to become aware all the time of every single emotions and thoughts. Mm. Was telling me, it is impossible, mom, to be all the time like it is possible. You activate your frontal lobe and now you can control, you can be aware all the time of your thoughts and your emotions. And that's the only way you can control what is behind everything because you become the observer. You're not in the judging mood. And in that moment, you have the control. No one can control you. Mm -hmm. And that can make the real change in the human being if we start using our frontal lobe and becoming aware and removing the judgment. Yes. What is good or bad or... Mm -hmm. or yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, being honest with yourself too. You know, when a feeling comes up, being honest with yourself. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and that's that's really the opposite of control. Really, it's it's allowing, it's accepting, it's going with with the flow of it. So, observing is almost like the opposite of control, and um, yeah, that's where I believe true authenticity authenticity comes from. Yeah. And how you're planning? Well, obviously, uh, there is is how many years you have with your foundation to start. Well, um, I the karmic margin call was established uh, in 2017, so about four years now. Um, although the ideas have been marinating for over 20 years, so um, I'm I'm going into a second phase uh, of the of it. Um, the first phase, which I'm completing right now, is establishing fellowship culture, um, what I also call deep democracy which is really just having conversations like this and, and, and changing the sequence of the conversation, starting with appreciation, exploring possibilities, and then going on, you know, through invitation, uh, dissension, responsibility, and then, and then commitment. Um, so it's really just establishing the space to take time to really talk to each other. There's no, no agenda. It's just, sitting there and being real and, and riffing off of each other's thoughts. Um, I'm going into the second phase this year where I'm starting to collect data around those conversations. What is it that people are really looking for? What is it that people really want to be dedicating their time and, and, and life to? Uh, and that can be measured. Um, and that's what we're starting to create right now. And then the third phase is where we start to implement that data and superimpose it onto the current financial system. And that's where, um, you know, the conversations change. It becomes less about competitiveness, less about hierarchy, and more about deeper collaboration. And, um, yeah, that's that's the plan for, uh, for two or three years from now. But uh, right now, the fellowship culture is, is where, where, uh, where the foundation is at right now. It's just establishing a space to just no agenda, be real, Let's talk about what it is that you're really looking for. And knowing your your background, you're an actor, right? Mm -hmm. I am. Yep. An actor. So mm -hmm. coming from the point of view as an artist, mm -hmm. actors, uh, it is we have a very different way of observing life as the mm -hmm. as the people that are not artists. Uh, we see it different. Mm -hmm. Dream, I believe, of every single artist. I don't care, is musician, poet, actor, painter, sculptor, and all all the all the artists is that just create our craft and uh, or and help others. But at the same, but we don't have to worry about the money. The worst thing that can happen to a painter is like, how much I'm gonna sell that, or putting prices or putting names. <laughs> And uh, and that's the same applies for the writers or the or the actors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that will be a really ideal world for at least for the artists. Maybe not for the 
lawyers or the bookkeepers <laughs> or, or doctors. But uh, for the artists, it will be really an authentic, uh, beautiful world that we all dream, that we all create and we're worrying about where the money is going to come from to pay the light. And I'll say this too, even if it's a bookkeeper or an accountant or a financier, you know, there's a there's a hidden artist in them too. Um, you know, and I'd like to think that that's the inner child, you know, that, um, you know, that sometimes seems elusive. But, uh, yeah, you'd be surprised, um, you know, how many doctors would rather be spending their time dancing. Um, so it's it's the kind of thing where it's balance. It really is balance, you know, between the structure and the creativity. And, um, yeah, yeah, and really navigating the simple, the complicated, the complex, and the chaotic. But knowing that they also have a purpose. Yes. You can. What do you think about Ubuntu? Because you think that it has the, the basis, what you're talking about. But mm -hmm. I have not seen it exploded like I thought it was. I've been observing mm -hmm. it for years and mm -hmm. haven't. Yeah, I am aware of it. And uh, we're starting to come into conversations with people associated with the, uh, with the movement. Um, I, I agree with the philosophy, you know, we, you know, we're, we are, we go together with this. Um, and there's a beautiful adage that I learned from, from, from the African, um, culture is that uh, if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, you know, we go together. So that's why I think it's important to slow down and to find, find the values. If the values are driving, you know, driving the conversation, driving the action, driving the initiative, you know, we'll go far, you know, and that's what Ubuntu means to me. Uh, as an organization, um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping I'll have deeper conversations with, with, with the Michael Challengers of the world. Um, so, uh, so it's the kind of thing that I'm very curious about it at this point. Um, so I am aware of it. I know of it. I'm very curious about it. And uh, I know there's a lot of a lot of alignment and a lot of correlations, and uh, I'm uh, I'm open to to deeper conversations with that with that movement. And I think it's been my my intuition, and this is completely intuition. This is not based on any fact or any experience. But you know, I think I think there is a contrived agenda in suppressing a movement like we do too, because it does wrest control away from from a hierarchy, you know, from the people at the top of a pinnacle, you know, or, or the elite as we call them. Um, so, so it's the kind of thing where, where I can see where such a movement would probably be, would be uh, strategically suppressed. And um, I'm interested in exploring, you know, how to, how to have, how to have expansion one conversation at a time, because the mainstream media, You know, even fringe media is not really going to really going to help a movement that's intrinsically driven. And uh, and that happens by one conversation at a time. And, um, you know, I, I always say the, the true revolution is not going to be televised. You know, when the true revolution is here, you'll know it. And a lot of us are already there. <laughs> I feel that uh, maybe societies... We were not meant to have millions of people in the same place. Mm. It's not sustainable. Mm. We were maybe we were needing to be like our ancestors in small groups of people, mm -hmm. and that would be the only way that it can work. According to many ETs, that's how they they live, and they're living with less stress than we are as humans over here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. One of one of the values that I hold dear with uh, with the Karmic Margin Call project is that there the real power is in small groups, and uh, I believe I believe if you have a deep connection with just three people in your life, you have more than you need, and we'll we'll provide the way. You know, we'll together we will all provide the way forward with that. Um, I think it's an illusion to try to, you know, to try to impact millions of people. But if you have that deep connection with, with just two or three people in your life, that's all it takes. That's really all it takes because 
um, there's something to be said for, for the quality of the relationship rather than just generating millions of transactions, which are meaningless. Michael, I, I love your idea and uh, how we can help. Um, well, if anyone's interested, uh, my, my website, karmicmargincall.com, has a link that uh, leads to an application to uh, become a member of, uh, of our time bank. Uh, we do have uh, international membership at the moment. Um, and really, uh, short term, it's just inviting, inviting everyone to the conversation. Uh, like I said, we're, we're really establishing what I call fellowship culture. Um, I, I say fellowship. I, I know there's a lot of religious connotations that come with the word fellowship, but what it really means is coming into a sacred circle together where we have a commitment to see each other's values. So, um, you know, anybody who, who wants to support here in this, in these very beginning phases, um, you know, you can just go to karmicmargincall.com. There's a space that says click here for the application. And, um, I will receive the information and, uh, within, a, within about two or three weeks, I, I invite, uh, I invite, uh, the applicants into, uh, into an appreciation conversation where we start to explore, uh, we start to explore the concept. We start to explore what a regenerative economy would look like. Um, so, and that starts with a very personal conversation. You know, what is the value that you bring? What is the insight? What is the, You know, what are you feeling? What is your life story? Because that has infinite value. And um, you know, that's how it starts. It's just with an appreciation conversation. And we'll find invitations. We'll find pathways based on the person. I, I hope everybody that is listening right now or listening later on uh, will be interested. I believe the, the, the ones that are going to be seeing these videos, because probably this video is for them. So, mm -hmm. and, uh, I really appreciate your your conversation, Michael. Would you like to have something else that you would like to add? Uh, no, at the at the moment, I, I feel very complete, and uh, I think the only thing I want to close with and, and just acknowledge is that uh, almost everyone I speak to, especially when they're thinking in terms of strategy or how or uh, you know, what is it going to take to to change the world, you know, go easy on yourself. You know, go easy. We're all we're all a team here. Even if someone looks like your adversary, you know, your adversary, they are your teacher. You know, we really are on all on the same the same team here. It's just a matter of going deeper. And um, yeah, yeah, just go go easy on yourself, love yourself, and uh, you know, um, just be honest with yourself because everyone's feeling overwhelmed, and that's part of it. We're breaking out of a, a very strong chrysalis right now, but we're all. We're all going to be our, our own spiritual butterflies here very soon. And, um, and, uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, the person that you connect with the most, who you have the deeper connection with, if you got that, that's all you need. I do agree. Thank you, Michael. And, and let me tell you, uh, to the spectators what we're having the next week. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know, you remember Graham? You remember Graham Forscott? No, I. Oh yes, I do. Yes, yes, very cool. The next week in Soul Talk, we're going to have Graham Forscott. He's mm -hmm. a galactic astrologer uh, with a blend with a Rachel fractals physics, solar mechanics, and plasma cosmetology, uh, cosmology, at 7 p.m. Central Time. And it's a talk that you don't want to miss. He is so, so interesting to, to talk. I have learned so many things from uh, from him and uh, about me. And don't miss it. And, uh, and I'm starting a new container the next uh, Wednesday, October 20th at 6 p.m. And it's for women. How to raise your standards in a relationship and learn how to love yourself and, and care for yourself and let go of guilt and shame and fear. Precisely what we were talking right now. Yes. Because I believe that's the first place for having a good relationship, not only with the outside world, but the inside world too. And uh, and in the in the description box you can find Michael's information and also the information of a free uh, group uh, Awakening from Within. And this channel survive from your donations. And any help can help us just at least to cover the, 
what the investment that I I will appreciate that very much. And thank you very much. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, everyone. Monica. And I will sign up. Great. Thank you so much for having me, Monica. I appreciate it. And I uh, hope we can do it again sometime. Uh, this is beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. And congratulations Bye. for your daughter. Thank you. Yes, looking forward to it. Thank you for joining me today. I would love to share with you my transformational system, Path to the Heart, that I created just for you. Head over to monicaramireswarrioflove.com and you will find free resources. In there, you can download a masterclass in how to stop being people pleaser and meditations to get you started.